The Titans play their first divisional game of the season on Sunday, taking on the Colts 2-2 versus 2-2. We're going to preview this matchup right now. This is the Music City Audible. Let's get to it. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast brought to you by Broadway Sports Media in partnership with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. With me, as always, Justin Mello. And today we are previewing the Titans' first divisional matchup against the Indianapolis Colts. This should be an interesting game, Justin, because the Colts largely thought of going into this season as a year away at least from contending, starting a very inexperienced rookie quarterback who didn't have a lot of experience playing in college even. Uh, Anthony Richardson has been better than advertised, I think, so far through uh, four games, even though he missed... Uh, one of those with a concussion. Um, he almost beat the Rams on Sunday. Came back from 23 to nothing to tie the game, 23-23. And the Colts then lose in overtime because the Colts' defense can't get a stop. Can't really blame Richardson for that one. But what do you think about this game, Justin? Where do the Titans have advantages? Where are they going to struggle? Let's get into it right now. What's the first thing on your mind? Uh, the first thing on my mind, and I was anxious to bring this up, is the need to follow up a good performance with a good performance. That is something the Titans have not always done in the Mike Vrabel era. I mean, I feel like historically, but it certainly feels since they've been good, right? It's hard to follow up a good performance with a good performance when you're terrible because you don't have many good performances, but they've largely been good throughout the Mike Vrabel era. Yet following up a good performance with a good performance has been an issue. Now it's early in the season, but we've already seen it once, right? Thought they played a pretty damn good game against the Los Angeles Chargers in week two. A very exciting uh, win in overtime in that game, home win. And then you come back uh, with an absolute stinker against the Cleveland Browns in week three. Uh, Almost had as many penalty yards as you had offensive yards in that game. So what do you do? You come back now with a really, really good performance against the Cincinnati Bengals, winning 27-3 at home. By the way, you're also now 2-0 at home and you're 0-2 on the road. So that's another thing here because this game is in Indianapolis this weekend. So that's another theme. Um, Really important in my opinion. And this goes back to, let me, hell, to me, this goes back to last year. I'm going to be blunt with you. I don't think they had, (laughs) let me rephrase. I don't think they followed up a single good performance with a good performance last year. And that might be harsh. People may disagree. So let's talk about it. They had that five-game win streak in the middle of the year when they were 0-2, right? That's why you gave That's me that That's what I was going to bring up. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. First game was a 24-22 win over Vegas. Did you come out of that game feeling great? Remember, they gave up a bunch of long completions. Uh, who was the corner? I can't remember who the corner was. We all gave him flack. He allowed like a 50-yard gain to Matt Collins when all they had to do was protect the deep ball. Raiders went all the way. Like, that was not a great team performance from what I recall. Okay? Right. Following week, they beat the Colts 24-17. Bad very bad Indianapolis Colts team, not at all a complete all-around performance. Following week, similar to the Raiders game, 21-17 over the Commanders, right? Took a last-minute goal, a goal line stand. Some people thought they caught a break, right? Uh, not a great all-around team before. I remember that game feeling exactly like the Raiders game. I don't remember coming away from that one thinking we have a hell of a contending team on our hands. A couple weeks later, 19-10 over the Colts. Again, bad, bad Colts team. Week after that, 17-10 over the Texans. Three of those games, three of those wins, 
came over teams that had top five picks in the drafts, right? Colts twice, Texans once. And hell, the Raiders had, I think, what, the sixth or seventh pick in the draft, right? Yeah. Like, none of those performances. And, and by the way, they scored 19, 17, 21. Like, none of those were great performances. I don't care what you say. They were not complete performances, not to the tune of what we saw in week two against the Chargers or what we saw in week four here. They're all, hell, a couple wins after that. The Broncos, 17-10, they beat the Broncos. One of the worst teams in the league mm-hmm. last year. It's a horrible team. In fact, in my opinion, their only good, great performance last year was the win over Green Bay on Thursday Night Football, right? Guess what? They didn't win another football game that season. So in my That's opinion, true. they did not follow up. They didn't have any back-to-back good performances last year. Okay, you know what? They lost to the Chiefs in overtime with Malik Willis. Maybe you could quantify that was a decent performance. They won the following week, but that was a 17-10 win over the Broncos, right? So I still don't think that was a good performance and a good performance. And it doesn't have to just be a win. They did not – none of their losses, right? The loss of the Giants in week one, no. The loss of the Bills in week two, no. The loss of the Bengals, the blowout loss of the Eagles, the blowout loss of the Jags, no. They didn't do it once last year. And they're already 0-1 this year at doing so. So it's been a while since they followed up a good performance with a good performance. So to me, that is the theme going into this week. Yeah, I think that that's pretty spot on. I will say, you know, we talked about this after the loss to the Browns that the Titans have had these big losses and then gone on big streaks. And this could be the beginning of that because you mentioned all those performances. They still got wins. You know, it's difficult to win in the National Football League any given week. Yeah, and they won seven of eight. You know, the only loss was the overtime loss to the Chiefs that Malik Willis started on that eight-game stretch. Of course, they didn't win another game after that the rest of the year. But the point is, you know, they had a huge loss to the Bills in week two. They went on a seven of eight game win streak. They did a similar thing the year before that, losing big to the Cardinals in week one and then winning eight of the next nine um, in that season. So they, they've they've kind of done this thing. Was Sunday's win over the Bengals the start of another like seven of eight game win streak? Like that would be obviously very nice for the Titans playoff hopes and everything. But this specific week against the Colts, I think the one thing you can't do is overlook them. You can't go into this game cocky thinking like, oh, this is a young Colts team with very inexperienced DBs, a very inexperienced quarterback, lots of injuries on the offensive line. We'll see how those players you know, are feeling this week and what their status is heading as we get closer to the end of the week, but played against the Rams. I think they were missing three starting offensive linemen, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, wide receivers, they got Michael Pittman Jr. and not a whole lot else there. Jonathan Taylor hasn't reported yet. He is eligible to, to come off the PUP list and return to the Colts this week. But all the latest reporting is that the Colts have no interest in giving him a long-term deal and he has no interest in playing without one. So, Probably won't see Jonathan Taylor in week five. That leaves you with Zach Moss, who has had a few good games this year. But is he like a lead back in the NFL? I think there are some talent deficiencies on this Colts roster that they have so far in their two wins this year against good teams. I mean, not against good teams. They beat the Ravens in overtime 22-19. They beat the Texans, who haven't looked terrible at all. I mean, by any stretch, Texans (laughs) are outperforming expectations this year. Colts beat them. So in their wins there, they've seemed to be overcoming these talent deficiencies. Shane Steichen has looked pretty good as a head coach so far with with the Colts and uh, his offense with Anthony Richardson who's I mean Anthony Richardson made one throw on Sunday against the Rams where it looked like he was getting sacked and suddenly the ball flies 30 yards downfield straight into the hands of I think it was Alec Pierce or maybe it was Pittman I think it was Pierce I don't remember who it was but unbelievable throw into coverage under pressure being sacked while he threw the ball and somehow had the arm strength to get the ball there Anyway, he's been, you know, better than advertised. His running ability, he has run for multiple touchdowns in multiple games already this year. Like, this guy is a gamer, 
And the Titans are not going to be able to take it lightly just because these Colts players are inexperienced. They can't go into this one saying, oh, we're going to get in Anthony Richardson's head with exotic pre-snap looks and post-snap rotations and coverages. They've got to be able to contain his legs first and foremost and then force him into difficult reads and difficult throws. But you can't do any of that taking your opponent lightly. So hopefully, like you mentioned, they don't get a big head coming off a 27-3 win and follow it up with a lackluster performance because they can't afford it in this game. I agree. And and I think containing his legs is the number one key to victory, in my opinion. And it may be the number one, it's certainly the number one key to stopping him and slowing him down. And 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 they've had some struggles with his types, right, in the past. And right. I, a lot of teams do, right? Like if you're a scrambling quarterback, you're as athletic as Anthony Richardson is, you're going to give a lot of defenses fits. I get that. But specifically what I mean by that is I think back to that Chiefs game last year that they lost in overtime. They don't lo- lose that game unless Patrick Mahomes makes a ton of plays with his legs late, if you remember, in the fourth quarter and I think even in right. overtime as well. And they've had some trouble with Lamar Jackson uh, in that area, certainly in the playoff game that they lost to the Ravens. So they've had some issues with that. Josh Allen hurt them last year, uh, certainly as well with his leg. So um, that's key number one. And he's, I think he's got what three rushing touchdowns already. Four. Anthony Richardson in, or four, four in three, three games, four in three games, four yeah. in three games. Like he's as advertised with his legs and look, the numbers passing 11 to 25, 200 yards, two touchdowns. They don't jump out at you, but Hey, he threw two touchdowns in that loss of the Rams and he took care of the football. He, he did have a lost fumble, uh, but he's not throwing interceptions per se he so completed 11 passes for 200 yards like right. yeah the completion percentage He's, is only 44 percent. that's pretty bad yeah. you want to see a, your quarterback complete more than 11 of 25 pass attempts but to get 200 yards Listen. out of 11 completions means that those completions are chunk plays like he's and he's, he's spreading the ball around you talked about yeah. chunk plays alec ogletree 22 yard reception alec pierce 38 yard reception mo alley cox who's not mobile at all 35-yard reception. Josh Downs, one of my favorite receivers coming out, 30-yard reception. Kyle Granson, the tight end, uh, sophomore, I think, or third year, 17-yard reception. Michael Pittman, 15-yard reception. I just rounded off how many? Three, four, six names that all had a 15-yard catch or more in that loss to the Rams on three of them had a Three of them had a 30-yard catch or more. Three yes. different guys. <laughs> that is crazy. So, yeah. Anthony Richardson looks really, really good, better than advertised. Like, yeah, I think if I recall correctly, my draft network time with him, uh, 13 starts, I think, at Florida, 14 starts, like last year, that's it. So he came in, certainly very inexperienced. You know, he got the the, the label labeled raw throughout the entire pre-draft process. He looks a lot more developed than we thought he was at this point. This is a two-win football team. They're tied for first place in the division. They beat the Texans, as you said, a Texans team that steamrolled the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday and beat the Jags by 20 the week before that. And they beat a Ravens team. We know this is a week-to-week league, but they beat a Ravens team that steamrolled the Browns on Sunday. Yeah. The Titans lost. I know they didn't have Watson, but still, right? Ravens put up, what, 28 points in that game. So Titans cannot take this game lightly at all. This Colts team looks a lot more competitive than I expected them to be. Anthony Richardson looks a lot better than I expected him to and I think they probably got uh, you know a really good head coaching hire here in Shane Steichen. So um, and they're zero two on the road, as I said, this is a road game. Certainly cannot take this one lightly. No, I think what the key is to the Titans' defense stopping this Colts' offense here. We mentioned stopping Anthony Richardson, the runner. I don't think they're going to have a ton of trouble slowing down Zach Moss. I mean. 
The Titans' no. run defense has been really good this year. They allowed some big runs to Joe Mixon, but overall, I think that was more a factor of how they were playing Joe Burrow in that game. In this one, they're going to be on their run keys, in their gaps, because they have to account not only for the quarterback running, or not only for Zach Moss running, but also for the quarterback running. So they're going to be extra dialed in, I think, on run defense. You know the big boys in the middle are going to eat, especially if the Colts are still dealing with offensive line injuries. Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry, Tierra Tart, those guys are going to be stuffing things. The Colts don't have a ton of outside receiving talent to worry about. So we are always a little bit concerned with the Titans secondary being, you know, a little bit closer to average than above or elite. Right. And, uh, you know, Michael Pittman is a big body receiver who can make plays, but, and Alec Pierce has the speed on the outside. But I think the real issues that this Colts offense presents are the tight end mismatches of those guys that you mentioned with all those 30 plus yard uh, receptions, Drew Ogletree, Alec Ogletree, whatever his name is, tight end, Mo Ali Cox, tight end, Kylan Granson, tight end. So yeah. these three guys all making big plays in the passing game for them at tight end. You're going to need your linebackers and your safeties to cover well. If you're playing zone coverage, you're going to have to be aware of these big body guys who can exploit smaller gaps because they're so tall. They can go up and, and make high pointed catches, contested catches. I think that that's the biggest challenge here aside from Anthony Richardson's legs is covering the tight ends over the middle of the field. It's not as much, you know, worrying about the receivers, but at the same time, you can't let Alec Pierce get behind you. You can't let Michael Pittman get free downfield because he can make big contested catches as well. He had an incredible catch a couple weeks ago in that Ravens game down the field, uh, contested catch. So when it comes to stopping this Colts, this Colts offense, you got to get pressure on Anthony Richardson, of course, and you just got to be ready to account for the tight ends over the middle of the field, which gives me a little bit of concern because, you know, the Titans' strength of their defense is not like their linebacking coverage ability, right? Um, so it'll be interesting. Does Dane Crookshank get up for this game? Titans recently add Dane Crookshank back to the practice squad <laughs> to come eraser. be a tight end eraser. <laughs> <laughs> um, you bring up some good points there. I'm going to build on it. Uh, I, I'm slightly more concerned with Michael Pittman Jr. than I think you are. I, I do think he's capable of getting the better of Christian Fulton. He's a big-bodied guy that can make plays down the field. Uh, he True. can also draw a DPI. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they target him deep, uh, certainly against those corners. You bring up uh, the tight ends. That's a great point. I think Mo Ali Cox, they move him around. You get him into like a big slot position. What's the mismatch advantage between, you know, Mo Ali Cox and Roger McCreary? What's the mismatch advantage even between, a, you know, him and a, a Sean Murphy bunting? That's a quite the size advantage for the Colts, particularly in the red zone. So that is one I worry about. And then Josh Downs, who I think is coming on strong for them as a rookie receiver. He's a, uh, a prototypical slot receiver. I think he can give the Titans some trouble as well. And, and he's a guy that's had some, again, some good performances this year. Um, question for you. Do they play with a spy on Anthony Richardson? I mean, I think you almost have to. Um, quite frequently. And I think, you know, I, I really like Aziz Shire in that role, right? Because he's sideline to sideline speed. Uh, he's a smart player. He's violent. Certainly you're not, you know, you're not using Jack Gibbons in those situations, right? That would be quite the mismatch when it comes to athletic ability. Hey, Jack uh, Gibbons is the fourth highest rated linebacker, off-ball linebacker, according to Pro Football Focus through Love four that. games. But no, I totally agree with you. <laughs> Love that. No, I know I know you do. And uh, certainly I think Aziz Shire is a good fit for that. So we'll see how they approach it. I would say they likely open the game without a spy. And if Richardson starts killing them on the ground after the, a couple drives, then they'll have that look ready. They'll practice it this week. They'll go over it this week. I don't think they'll open the game with it, but they'll definitely have it ready to unveil 
if Richardson is killing them with their, with his legs because catching him off guard with that a few series into the game I think would be more effective than just starting with it and then giving Shane Steichen the chance to adjust. Not that he won't be able to adjust later in the game. couple points here that are ca- a cause for concern and a cause for optimism. Cause for concern. Shane Steichen was the Eagles' offensive coordinator last year. The Eagles put up 35 points on the Titans. They're running a similar offense there with... Uh, you know, the similarities between Richardson and Jalen Hurts as big bodied, big arm, mobile quarterbacks who can hurt you with their legs, but also attack down the field. Well, he's way bigger I think than that Jalen Hurts, too. Sorry, not to cut he, you off, but he's way bigger. True. He's way bigger and way more athletic. I mean, he's like if if he reaches his ceiling, he has a chance to be better than Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts is, you know, the highest one of the highest paid was the highest paid quarterback for a hot second there before he got beat out by Joe Burrow. But anyway, so that's a cause for concern. Eagles put up 35 points running what will likely be a similar version of the offense to what the Colts are running. Now, the Eagles have A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Jalen Hurts is a more seasoned passer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. A better offensive line. I mean, the Eagles are a much better team than the Colts. There's no question about that. But in terms of the style of offense that they're running, they they destroyed the Titans last year. And Shane Steichen was there when A.J. Brown ran through Christian Fulton and knocked him out for like the rest of the season, I believe. And Christian Fulton picked up a pass interference on that play, and AJ Brown still scored a deep touchdown. Um, so, like he, like you mentioned, trying to attack deep, try to get these corners to commit penalties. I do think that's going to be a part of the Colts' game plan. Cause for hope when they've played Lamar Jackson in the past, another mobile quarterback who who can do damage with his legs. They have had incredible game plans to contain yes. the Ravens' offense, and they have done a really good job. They haven't won all of those games. A lot of times, it was because. They couldn't get the offense moving or Ryan Tannehill's targeting Khalif Raymond on a crucial third down late in the game. Um, But they've done a great job with this style of quarterback in the past. I know Josh Allen and the Bills beat them 41-7 last year, but they've also had really good game plans for Josh Allen, really good game plans for Patrick Mahomes. We mentioned that big win the Titans had a couple years ago against the Chiefs. So I think when it comes to game planning for a specific type of opponent on the defensive side of the ball, the Titans are going to have a good game plan. Now, if the Colts execute well, you know, and and get out to a 35-10 lead like the Eagles did, it's a different story. But I think that my cause for optimism here is stronger than my cause for concern. Do you agree? Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't love the Eagles comparison, right? I get it. The the offense (laughs) looks similar, but I mean, the quarterbacks, the supply, I mean, night and day difference, right? Like, they they, they damn near won a Super Bowl last year, right? So, I get what you're getting at with the the scheme is going to be similar. But again, no A.J. Brown, no Devontae Smith. The quarterback's not as developed as a Jalen Hurts is. So um, our cause for concern might be that D line though, against Titans O line. I think that's something you wanted to bring up because uh, how many sacks do the Colts have on the year? I think it'll be a a fairly surprising fact to Titans fans who are listening to this and don't know that. Here are the league leaders for sacks and how many sacks they have. This is, we're recording this before the Monday night game. So things could change slightly, but Buffalo bills, 16 sacks tied in first place with the Los Angeles chargers. Khalil Mack had six freaking sacks on Sunday. So the chargers jump way up this list in one week. But anyway, bills and chargers tied for first with 16 Ravens second with 15 Colts tied with the Cowboys for third most sacks in the NFL with 14 through four weeks. Titans right behind them with 13 along with four, three other teams at 13. So Titans and Colts both getting after the quarterback this year. I did not expect to see the Colts with 14 sacks, third most in the league on this list. 
And it's been a collective effort, right? Quiddy Pay leads them with three sacks. They got three other guys with two sacks. Samson Ebucom, who I believe they brought over from the 49ers. From the 49ers. Uh, the, Forrest Buckner, of course, a huge threat on the interior. And then also Tavon Bryant, a reclamation project, right? Former first-round bust in the division of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's got two sacks. And you got Deo Odeyingbo that's got a sack and a half, right? Former Vanderbilt guy um, who I liked coming out. So it's been a collective effort. It's a group effort. And you don't love some of those matchups, right? I certainly, I, I think of Quiddy Pay against Andre Dillard, uh, assuming Dillard's going to be the starter at left tackle. We touched on it last episode. Titans maybe with an opportunity to shuffle things up front this week, getting some reinforcements back on the O-line. But if it is uh, Andre Dillard, and, and, and you know, until I'm told it isn't, I assume that it will be. Um, I think you like that matchup there for Quiddy Pay, and, and and even you know Deo Odeyingbo, the uh, the other D end. He's an extremely powerful guy. I think he's playing in a rotational role right now. Samson Ebucom is a starter, but uh, Deo is, I remember coming out of Vanderbilt, a lot of power. And that's sort of what's given Andre Dillard fits this year, right? It's when he's got an anchor uh, against the bull yeah. rush. So certainly I think some of those matchups there um, on the D-line uh, does offer some cause for concern. Now on the flip side of that, the Colts have allowed the fourth most total yards through four games here. Their defense has been, you know, not great. They tightened up in the tightened up in the second half against the Rams on Sunday, but that was after allowing them to get out to a 23-0 lead. The Titans did something similar against the Bengals, right? They jumped out to a big first half 24-3 lead and then were able to just coast from there. We mentioned that on our recap pod the 10-minute drive to open the third quarter. The Titans have a chance to do something similar in this game. If they get out to a lead and then they can ride Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears to big, you know, clock eating drives in the second half. I think there's a chance the Titans win this game by two plus scores the same way they did it on Sunday against the Bengals. But there's also a chance that, you know, they get a a nice drive going. They gain 40 yards and get into Colts territory and then they give up a 15 yard sack or something like that. And so they are gaining yards here and there, but then they're getting set back by sacks or holding penalties or something like that. Like I could see the game going that way, too, in which case I wouldn't predict a double digit win, double digit point win for the Titans. So it's all going to be about, you know, I think the yards are going to be there for the offense. Can they avoid the negative plays, the drive killing plays and penalties? Can they keep Ryan Tannehill clean in this game? I think that'll make that'll make it. As my headphones fly off my head, that'll make a big difference in this game for the Titans. <laughs> Certainly will. Uh, I'm excited to see which one, which way this one goes. I don't know if excited is the right word. I think anxious is the word. And it all goes back to what I said in the beginning, following up a good performance with a good performance. First divisional game, a chance to potentially take um, sole possession of the division, right? I think that's the way you've got to look at it. Um, certainly with your first division opportunity, you can't you know, focus on what the Jags or what the Texans are going to do. Um, right. I think that should do it for our part. What do you say we bring in our guests? Because I didn't say it at the beginning of this episode. I yeah, neither do, of us did. But I, I, it doesn't mean that I mean it any less. A terrific guest we have this week, making his first appearance on this show. You know, we've had a lot of recurring guests. You know, look, we do this preview episode every year. They play the, the Colts twice. It's tough to get into our bag and bring new people on the show, right? Not that I think you were tired of, um, you know, Stephen Holder, who we've had multiple times, ESPN national reporter for the Colts. Not that you're tired of Zach Hicks, who does an unbelievable job covering that team, hosting Locked On Colts, uh, and also, um, you know, contributing to Colts Sports Illustrated. But this is a first-time guest, and I'm so excited. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome James Boyd, a rising star in this media market, in my opinion, the new, new, in his first year covering the Colts for the Athletic, 
Um, so deserving of that opportunity. He's doing amazing work already. He'll be doing amazing work all year long and certainly for the next 10 years covering this team. Uh, please welcome James Boyd, his first time on the Music City Auto. Yeah, so let's bring him in now. James Boyd covers the Colts for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at RomeovilleKid. James, thanks for joining us today. How's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me. Obviously, a lot of developments here in Indianapolis over the last few days, but things that don't change is that games don't change. So got a game against the Titans coming up, and they don't care about who's playing or who's not or who's coming back and who's not. Mike Vrabel, uh, I would imagine, will select to move to 3-2 and two on the season. Yeah, Colts too. Yeah, so uh, it's it's weird. <laughs> two and two for everybody right now. Everyone in the division, yeah. And the uh, Titans haven't played a division game yet, so they're in fourth place in the standings. But <laughs> things can change this week. Let's jump into it right away. The biggest storyline of the Colts so far this season is obviously rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson. Uh, he missed a game with a concussion already, but he has played three pretty good games. What have you seen so far from Richardson? And do you feel he's ahead of where he was expected to be at this point in his career? Absolutely. I did not think he would be where he is right now. And quick, funny story, I guess, at the Combine, I was the person who asked him about being a project quarterback. And he did not like that question. I asked, the question was, (laughs) some teams view you as a project quarterback. What can you bring teams right now versus in the future? He only heard the project part and only came from me. (laughs) So um, he had me repeat it a couple of times. Did not like the question. And then when he answered it, he said, I don't even know what that means. And then someone else asked him about, about being a one-year starter. And he came back to me and was like, well, this guy says I'm a project. So I guess I got <laughs> some things to work on. And at the time, you know, the Colts are sitting at four and we didn't know if they're going to trade up to number one. And I just didn't think that they were going to even draft this guy. Not that it would change my question at all, but, you know, a couple weeks go by and, Colts they put at four and it becomes clear that he's a possibility so when they drafted him everyone started laughing and they started flooding my mentions like oh my god he's gonna like fight you the next time he sees you because you called him a project so the first time he came to Indianapolis for his first in-person interview after he got drafted I asked him or actually I told him I was like hey Anthony I'm the guy at the combine who told you you were a project and he just like oh I remember and it was like this funny (laughs) moment where everyone laughed he didn't take it personal at all So from that standpoint, he's very mature, but also doesn't take anything to heart, which is good for being a quarterback in his position. And then on the field, I mean, that personality kind of manifests itself the way that he plays, where he's very just comfortable, it looks like, and um, doesn't get rattled with mistakes. You know, he's had a fumble, lost fumble, had an interception in his debut as well. But this is a guy throughout the three games he's played has looked the part and looked a lot more advanced and I thought he would be at this stage of his career um, project or not, because I mean, for someone who only started 13 games, he looks very, very poised compared to say a Bryce young, you know what I'm saying? Who went number one overall right. played in a bunch of big games at Alabama. I think that's a credit to Shane Steichen, but also it's a credit to Anthony Richardson and his floor being higher than many thought it would be. I think that's a great point, James. And you know what, in, in your defense, this is a fair question, man. I, I think, I think, there were teams certainly that that <laughs> felt he was a project quarterback, right? And uh, you know we we know that for a fact. So, um, well, you brought up Shane Steichen there, and I'm glad that you did because that kind of takes us to our next question. You know, in my opinion, he possesses a brilliant offensive mind, and I, and I thought that was a really good hire for the Colts. So far, from what you've seen, how is he helping his project quarterback acclimate? <laughs> so the P word gets you in trouble here, but I think that. <laughs> 
the moment he was hired, drafting Anthony Richardson became a possibility because you look at the track record he's had with quarterbacks. He's worked with Phillip Rivers, he's worked with Justin Herbert. He's worked most notably with Jalen Hurts, who took a massive leap last year from, you know, fringe level starter, questionable starter to, oh, he's a superstar. So you look at Anthony Richardson, he possesses some of the same traits. And the one thing that I've been impressed with the Shane Steichen is he he's making it simple on him. There's a lot of, you know, rollout one or two read type of plays where they're not just putting him in the pocket and saying, read this defense or pick this defense apart. They're doing everything in their power to make things easier on him. So we get people who criticize Anthony Richardson because his yards per attempt isn't that great so far. Well, no. Um, one, it's because a lot of the teams are forcing him to throw underneath because he has a cannon. You don't want to you know, get too lax and he just throws it over the top. But two, um, Part of that is rhythm throws and just seeing the ball get completed and making, you know, sort of some of like the runs that we see, sort of those short throws and kind of supplementing it that way. So I think they've done a great job, Shane Steichen in particular, of just making him feel comfortable. And some of the play calls have just been beautiful. I mean, he had this end around sort of touchdown run against the Texans where he faked to Josh Downs in the backfield. You know, Michael Pippen Jr. has a great crack back block. He gets to the outside and then Colin Grant finishes off with the block to the outside. And he just runs to the end zone. So to see him be utilized in a ton of different ways when it comes to his legs and his arm and just his, his talent, um, it speaks to Shane Steichen because I don't think that every coach could do what they're doing right now with Anthony Richardson. And that's the key, you know, cause there are deficiencies, there are issues, you know, when he gets sped up, sometimes he's gotten better actually since the training camp started, but, there's been times when he gets spread up, doesn't get his feet set, and the ball just sails. And usually when he misses, he misses high. Or even now, mm-hmm. he'll miss low sometimes. So there's still those errant throws where you're like, man, what the heck is going on? I think it was 11-25 passing in the last game, so not a great number. But you look at the tape, you're like, oh, this is someone who has a clue. He's not out there just you know doing a bunch of stuff that doesn't make sense. A lot of it is just utilizing him. And I think he is proving that you cannot watch box scores because you look at the box scores, you're like, what the heck is going on with this guy? Then you watch the game, you're like, oh, wow, for a quarter and a half against the Rams, he's the best player on the field. So those things are exciting. And I think, again, Shane Steichen deserves a ton of credit. Doesn't explain anything to us because he's very short-winded with the media. But that's <laughs> all right. I got tape to look at. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, no doubt. And I don't have a question about this, but I'm glad you said that, James, because I think the term system quarterback is sometimes the most misinterpreted in football. Like People typically take it as such a bad thing you know what? Jalen Hurts might be a system quarterback in Philadelphia. Yeah. They're winning a lot of football games. Brock Purdy <laughs> is definitely a system quarterback in San Francisco. They haven't lost the regular season game since he took over. So if a system quarterback wins you a lot of football games, I don't think anything else matters. And I, I think the Colts are well on their way to getting there with Anthony Richardson. Uh, Agreed. The elephant in the room, James, uh, when, when Graver here said the biggest storyline in Indianapolis, I thought he was going to ask you about Jonathan. I Taylor. thought so, too. <laughs> the first one, right? that, that, I think that's the elephant in the room right now for this team. Uh, Coach Steichen did say they anticipate him practicing, I believe, in some capacity this week. I know we're recording this a little early in the week, so we don't expect you to you know, come out guns blazing here with a definitive answer. <laughs> Uh, but do you anticipate Jonathan Taylor being available against the Titans this Sunday? I don't. And the reason I say that is not because of anything that JT has done or hasn't done. After they announced that 
he was going to uh, open that 21-day return period from the physically unable to perform list. Wednesday, they also, the PR staff uh, uh, basically told us they're pivoting from a practice Wednesday to just a walkthrough. So we're going to practice twice this week on Thursday and Friday. And I I think, now I'm kind of speculating, kind of not. We haven't had like an official word on it. We'll be able to ask um, tomorrow about to Shane Steichen about this, but they have three guys right now in the concussion protocol with, with defensive end Quiddy Pay, Ryan Kelly, the starting center, still being in there, left tackle Bernard Ryman still being in there. Um, and then, you know, cornerback Dallas Flowers just tore his Achilles. He's out for the year. So they're really banged up. So I think that's part of why. And they're coming off back to back overtime games. So I think that's part of why they're not practicing Wednesday and just doing the walkthrough instead to kind of just, you know, reset your bodies, get a little extra day of prep and treatment. So with all of that in mind, I'm just not sure, you know, with JT having not practiced and not done an on-field team activity since last December at Minnesota to come back and practice three days and then play seems kind of crazy. But to come back and practice just two days and play seems even crazier. So I would realistically look towards maybe week six to him playing and that also has to do with like some of the contract stuff you know if you want to make sure you get your accrued season you finish your rookie deal out you don't have anybody you know telling you you didn't honor your contract ideally you have to be back by week six not by week five so um we'll see they left the door open i think that was more so just to get uh mike rabel and some other people thinking about it but Hmm. I, i don't i don't anticipate him playing against the Titans and if he did I mean what would he look like he hasn't practiced he hasn't done anything I mean I get it the you had one clip he showed on Instagram him running a route on air but I'm like that's not the Titans defense you know you're you're doing this again so you got to <laughs> see something live right I, so I think that well, it'll be a week another week before we actually see him playing Interesting. Yeah, we were speculating earlier before he brought you on, before we knew that Taylor was going to be activated or, or op- the window open to return. Uh, we weren't sure what was going to happen, but thanks for yeah, that. Yeah, and actually, there. I'll add yeah. one more thing in there, too. And I know it's going to make Colts fans upset, but it's the truth. I know Shane Steichen said yesterday, hey, you know, he's really excited to be back with his teammates. Don't really question that. Shane Steichen has never been, you know, one to lead me astray. However, we haven't heard from Jonathan Taylor since June. So mm-hmm. as much as the team can say he's excited to be back, you know what elicits excitement or elicits excitement? Um, looking at your contract and realizing you don't have a way out. So <laughs> I, that, that's my thing is like, I don't know how gung-ho he is to play, quite frankly. I don't know if he's still going to try to find a way potentially to not play. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to be cynical here. I'm just being realistic. Like it's been so crazy that you really cannot just assume – Oh yeah, he'll come back and play against the Titans. Or if not this week, next week for sure. Nothing is for sure. You do not know. So until we talk to him, he's the main guy we haven't heard from. We've heard from, you know, Shane Steichen, Chris Ballard, Jim Irsay, of course. But until JT tells us what his intentions are, we have no idea what they are, truly. Um, and, and it's a unique situation because this is a guy who had a routine ankle surgery back in January and hasn't played since then so part of that you know is that and and i'll ask him flat out like was any of this because you didn't get an extension i'll probably never answer that but (laughs) the elephant in the room beyond just his whole status is did you use all of this to just try to force your way out and you ran out of real estate and finally rubber bent the road and you were like i gotta go play 
and you're excited because of that. Like, yeah, yeah, you're excited to get your money because if you don't, yeah, you won't get it. So, I mean, that's where we're at from like a realistic standpoint on JT. Yeah, great, great. Graver, I know you're going to switch over to the defensive side of the ball, but I want to quickly add, James hit the nail on the head there because at the end of the day, these guys are human beings, right? And yes, they understand it's a business, but there, there's no way he's not a little bitter, right? Like he's vastly, vastly <laughs> underpaid, right? Like vastly underpaid for what he brings to the table. So there, there's no way it's as simple as I'm just super excited to get back. Like there, and there was a whole blow up with his agent and Jim Ursay. Like, there's yeah, a lot of I'm like to this situation. There's got to be some bitterness there. Yeah. Yeah, and we did talk a lot about the offense there, Justin. You mentioned we're going to flip over to the defensive side of the ball. I want to ask you about this Colts defense and the pass rush in particular. Colts are allowing the fifth most yards through four games this season, but they are tied for third with the uh, third most sacks with 14 so far this year. That's kind of a dichotomy that we're seeing here, but I'm just curious, what are you seeing up front who are the main catalysts of this Colts pass rush and how are they effectively getting to the quarterback so well, but also allowing so many yards to be, you know, completed outside of those plays? <laughs> well, I think I believe last time I checked, the Colts still, you know, are playing the most zone defense out of anybody in the league, which hmm. explains the yards because you just dink and dunk them and you're able to pick up yards. That's what the Rams did. They just picked them apart. And I think on the flip side, conversely with the, you know, pass rush, a lot of it has come down to just the dominance, particularly in the interior of Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner. Um, those two guys move people um, very well. <laughs> and so they yeah. get a lot of pressure on you internally, and you're either going to run away from that or run up into that. And when they run away from it, there have been some strides we've seen from Dio, Odangbo, mm -hmm. and then um, Quiddy Pay as well who have come alive. So I think that's part of it. However, I would say one of the things that is leaning in the Titans' favor for this week is that Quiddy is in the concussion protocol. Um, every player this season, to my knowledge, who has sustained a concussion in one week has not played the following week. So yeah. we'll see if that changes with Quiddy, but that's one thing to keep an eye on. And then with Grover Stewart, he was limited last week to a, a lot less snaps than he normally plays because of a back and groin. So as much as he is an Iron Man, he was not himself last week and so that's something to keep an eye on when you're talking about trying to stop Derrick Henry or get pressure on you know the opposing quarterback and things like that so um that's probably why and then I think it's for as good as their front seven has been the Colts I mean Zaire Franklin has looked really good EJ Speed has stepped up um and to be quite honest they've been the best two linebackers on this team as Shaq Leonard continues to try to get back into form the reason why they're giving up so many yards on the back end is because they're playing zone and they're just so ex inexperienced I mean, even mm -hmm. with uh, Dallas Flowers, he's a little more experienced than what, what you have. I mean, he's, he started a game last year and got a few reps in that cornerback. Now they have to go back to Daryl Baker Jr., possibly, who's a second-year pro, undrafted guy, um, really struggled against Houston in week two and then got benched because of it. And then also, or, or potentially seventh-round pick Jalen Jones, who's shown some promise, but he was a seventh-round pick. You know, uh, yeah. prior to the season starting, Kenny Moore was the only – cornerback on the roster who had started more than four games in their career so again these are all kind of deficiencies that we've seen sort of pop up I mean the the wins obviously mask a lot of things for different teams but you see you know in the losses okay yeah you know the Rams had over 400 yards of offense and, and were rolling for most of the game even when they weren't scoring they had some missed field goals and things like that it's because of the Colts kind of being weak on the back end 
Yeah, that that ex- inexperience at cornerback was always going to be an issue for the Colts going into this season, kind of seeing it play out. It'll be interesting to see because obviously the Titans offensive line has struggled a bit this year, particularly Andre Dillard. Is it going to be the type of game where the Titans are putting together a nice drive and piling up yards, but then a third down sack sets them back either out of field goal range or forcing them to, to punt or kick a field goal? I think that's going to be the determinant in this game is if the Titans can keep Tannehill clean, they have a good shot, but if they can't, then this could be a struggle and obviously stopping Anthony Richardson and those tight ends on the other side of the ball. James, we really appreciate your time here. We're going to finish up with one last question. We do this with all our guests uh, when we do our preview shows here is asking you for some predictions, sort of how you see this game unfolding, the, the, the game flow, how it's going to play out. And then if you're up for it, a final score prediction for who's going to come out on top. So I think this is going to be a ugly game just because that's what the Titans do. They yeah. ugly the game up and then they out ugly you to the finish line, which is, I mean, whatever way you got to win, it is what it is. And I think that really bothers uh, Jim Irsay. He he cannot stand it that Mike Vrabel basically has his team manhandle the Colts every year, regardless of who's <laughs> on the team, and they get a win. And so I do think that the Colts have a pretty good chance to win this game. Um, I predict them to win, I would say, 24-20. And the reason why is not necessarily because I don't think the Titans are capable of winning or, you know, they started off slow, whatever the case may be. It's because Anthony, he's the factor. And you just never know if he can go through those periods where for a quarter against the Texans, he was the best player on the field for a quarter and a half against the Rams, the best player on the field. He has those sort of moments where like he locks in and you realize, oh, wow, they may have a guy if he can be this consistent, you know, all game long, all season long. Now, still a long way to go, and I'm waiting for that rookie wall to kind of hit because he's going to have, like, the two-interception fumble game or whatever. But barring that from happening, I think he gives them um, just just more upside, more of a chance to make big plays because he can do some stuff you can't teach, and he helps them kind of escape um, the grasp of the Titans. But um, I'm saying that, but I'm also knowing, like, if I'm completely wrong, feel free to tell me. Titans fans, I enjoy the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coming for it. It's been a while since the Colts beat the Titans. The last time they did so was November 12th, 2020. Titans have won five straight in this series. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they can keep that going or if Anthony Richardson gives them new life there. James, thanks so much for your time again. We really appreciate you joining us today. Maybe we'll see you again later this year or Titans Colts play a second time in a few weeks. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks again to James for his time there and his insights into this Colts team. Justin, it's prediction time. Now, you pointed out on our recap episode that I'm 0 for 4 this year. You're 1 for 3. So we haven't necessarily had a great beat on what this team's going to do on a week-to-week basis. A very Jekyll and Hyde Titans team. I'm going to get a little crazy this week. I'm going to go first, which I rarely do. I'm going to predict the Titans win 27-13. to 13. Wow. I think this could be similar to the beatdowns we've seen in Indianapolis. Something was brought to my attention earlier this week. The Titans' 24-point first half against the Bengals on Sunday, most points they've scored in a first half since they did the same thing to the Colts a couple seasons ago. So I I do think, we heard James mention it there, the inexperience in the secondary. They are giving up a lot of yards. Their sacks aren't necessarily coming from an edge rusher like a Miles Garrett winning one-on-one against the left tackle. It's more of like a team effort moving the pocket around, pushing the inside of the pocket and forcing the quarterback to try to escape into the arms of another defender. I think the Titans, you know, after watching the the all 22 on what their offense did, 
in pass protection to create those explosive plays. And uh, check out the video I just posted on explosive pass plays breakdown if you haven't seen it yet. Moving Aaron Brewer on from the center position, peeling him back around to help out on the backside end, keeping Chigakonkwo or Tajay Spears or other guys in to help chip for Andre Dillard or or giving Dylan Radins the assignment of just help Andre Dillard on against Trey Hendrickson. I think the Titans are going to have an answer for this Colts pass rush. The only thing I'm worried about, the Rams got up to a 23-0 lead and the Colts came back and tied the game. The Titans have done this thing where if they do score you know, a first-half explosion of points, they kind of take it down in the second half and, and get a little more conservative, just try to grind out the clock. If they don't keep the foot on the gas in the second half, there is the potential for Anthony Richardson to lead a comeback drive, a comeback, you know, effort there. But I'm gonna go with I'm gonna stick to what I said there. 27-13 Titans win. What do you got? Love it. Uh it's funny. When you asked the question about their pass rush and giving up a ton of yards through the air, you almost sounded surprised. I'm like, do we not watch that every single week? Uh, with Tennessee Titans, like it's it's kind of similar, right? Like the sack numbers are good, D line is great, but secondary, uh, you know, has, has been a sore spot. Um, I'm ready to be hurt again. I'm with you. I'm gonna I'm going to predict a victory. I'm going to predict that they follow up a good performance with a good performance. Um, do I have a logic for it? Uh, no, maybe I just want it <laughs> to happen. I I don't know, right? Like they've been really bad on the road this year, right? But I got a fun stat for you. They're 0-2 on the road. They're averaging nine points per game on the road. Now, of course, you got to factor in they only scored three in one of those games. But still, nine points per game on the road. They've only scored 18 points. Small sample size, of course. Uh, the Colts haven't won at home this year. Colts are 0-2 at home, 2-0 mm-hmm. on the road. Something's got to give, right? The Titans are going to win their first road game or the Colts are going to win their first home game, which I find pretty, pretty funny and ironic. Um, yeah. I want to believe that they could follow up a good performance with a good performance. I also think... Certainly, when I think of the Titans defense, Mike Vrabel, Shane Bowen, exotic blitz packages that we've seen from them, think they're going to do enough to confuse Anthony Richardson, hopefully get to him pre-snap and post-snap. Now, I think he's going to make a couple of plays. I got a ton of respect for him. He's going to make a, a big play or two that only he can make because he's six foot five, 240 pounds and runs a 4-4. Like, he's a special athlete right. and he will get the better of him on occasion, I imagine. This weekend, but I do think the Titans will outlast them. I think they'll be just a bit more consistent, have a bit more success on defense. The offense should be able to move the ball a bit more um, than the defense can. Super inexperienced secondary there. As James mentioned, they lost Dallas Flowers, who's been a key piece for them in the secondary because they don't have anyone else, right? Like it's yeah. uh, Julius Brents, right? A rookie corner and and, and uh, the nickel, what's the nickel's name? Kenny Why does it escape me right now? Kenny Moore. Kenny, Kenny Moore. Moore. And, and really not a whole lot else. So... I'm going Titans. I don't think I'm going to be as brave as you and predict a 14-point win, but I do think uh, I'll go 24-17 Titans. Nice. So we both have the Titans winning. Let us know in the comments below if you have the Titans winning, and make sure you're subscribed to the Music City Audible channel. That'll do it for this one. Follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. You can follow me at Titans Film Room. Thanks to everyone who watched or listened, but mostly to the people who watched out there. That's where we're really trying to grow our YouTube channel. And thanks again to James for his time. All right, we will be back next week to recap this game and more content on the way on the YouTube channel. So again, make sure you are subscribed and turn on notifications at the little bell button so you get an alert every time we drop a new video. Until next week, y'all stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.